I'm Dave Hawkins, and this is The Antidote. I first heard Photoside Cafe only a few months ago with their debut album, The Beauty of Innocence Remains. The Photoside Cafe is here to spend some time with The Antidote and share their thoughts on their band's music. Now, we're missing a couple members, but I'm going to get who we have here to introduce themselves. My name is Matt Gadikin. I play violin in the band and sometimes electric guitar and sing background vocals. Uh, my name is Naftali Marshall. Uh, I'm the lead vocalist and uh, play acoustic guitar. How was Photoside Cafe put together? Well, let's see here. We, uh, we all met in college uh, in 2005, uh, Greenville College in a little town called Greenville, Illinois, about 45 minutes uh, east of St. Louis. And um, we had all gone there because of their contemporary Christian music program. And all at some point had been CCM majors. As most students uh, <laughs> that get there realize that, well, you know what, I don't need a degree to do music, therefore I'm going to move on to a degree that I can assure will give me a paycheck down the road. We all were musicians there, and really it just came out of, of jamming, uh, jam sessions. And um, by chance, one time with our original drummer, I was we were going to jam and came across Matt and asked him if, if he uh, played bass. And uh, just a random guy that I didn't know. And <laughs> he said, no, but uh, do you guys need a drummer? Uh, no, we got one. Or he's like, well, can I come and just listen? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, Matt came and, and listened, and uh, within the first song of us jamming, he asked, hey, can I go grab my violin? And so he came and um, started jamming with us, and we said, all right. <laughs> so that was basically the start of Photoside, when Craig uh, joined us as a bass player uh, shortly after. And we started, I think, in November of uh, 2005 was our first show at Greenville College. I know this is a typical question you ask, but who's influenced you as a band? I mean, really, I hear some even 70s prog rock coming through. You know, I'm thinking of a band that used to play in southern Ontario, just simply called FM, and some of the similarities are surprising. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of 70s prog before. I'd say our drummer is really the only one that listens to that stuff, Jason. We all have a lot of different influences, I like a lot of different styles of music. Dave Matthews is one that we can pretty much all agree on as being a main influence. Uh, Yeah, so... I think Dave, uh, Dave Matthews Band is one that we do all agree on. Um, but for me, as I'm sort of the main songwriter in a sense, um, I grew up listening to CCM my entire life. And so Jars of Clay, uh, DC Talk, Cadman's Call, Third Day, all these bands were big, big influences uh, growing up. As you get older, you start realizing, well, there's other good music out there, um, in some cases better. <laughs> Honestly, I think I draw from all the way to my roots in CCM with specifically Jars, um, Derek Webb, and some of the new indie artists that are Christian indie artists that have come up, like Josh Carroll's, for example. Um, Paper Route's another one that we're heavily influenced by. And it goes from that all the way to general market, like Tool, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers at one time. You know, the list goes on. So it, it's just, it, it goes all over the place. And honestly, I think we just draw from everything and anything. So you're not simply trying to take over Dave Matthews' fan base? Uh, no, and I don't think we, we'd be able to if we wanted to. Um, I, I think that in our earlier days, yeah, we were copying Dave. And we realized quickly after that, no, we've got to make it our own sound. Like, people will just constantly reference Dave if we keep doing this. I think at this point they still do here and there, but it's it's more 
because they see the violin on stage, they say, oh, Dave, you know, right, right away. But if you really sit down and listen to it, there are pretty drastic differences, you know. It's not that we're trying to rip him off by any means. Um, we try to be our own thing. On your song, Kill Your TV from The Beauty of Innocence Remains, the chorus reads, Don't believe everything you hear. Don't think twice. They're only lies. Don't believe everything you see. It's just a lie pulling you farther and farther away. Sounds like the lyrics really were spoken from personal experience. Can television be a curse? There's a funny story that goes along with that that uh, song. We were doing a photo shoot in St. Louis, and uh, we saw literally somebody had just sprayed painted "Kill Your TV" on a wall. And jokingly, I said, "Ha, we should write a song about that." Well, I did. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily personal experience; it was just more of frustration, societal frustration with where we are in terms of like just accept whatever the media tells you in, in any form from film to music to news to whatever it may be you know even internet these days know your stuff research it don't just reference it based off of what you heard or you know you saw or listen it came out of that if you listen to the entirety of of kill your tv the words and the verses are a lot more cryptic and the bridge is even more cryptic than the um verses but then the chorus is just very straightforward and the reason that I did that was because I didn't want it to be lost. I didn't want the message to be lost within the words. I wanted it to be very obvious. And that's the reason why the chorus is very obvious. And then we even go to the point where it's just kill your TV. Apart from it being just a great slogan and, and marketing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that's, that's the story behind that one. So what is the best way to kill your TV? We haven't tried many different ways. But we did actually do it at one show. Our CD release show. We had to rig it so that we weren't actually smashing the glass, but we had it all set up and a guy came on stage and during that song just like completely started trashing the TV. <laughs> so it was kind of cool, but uh, that's the only time we've actually done it. I would have liked to have seen that. Photoside Cafes put out a couple of EPs and then you released The Beauty of Innocent Remains on Gur Records back in 09. I understand that Photoside Cafe is a new album in the works. Can you share any details on how that's progressing? Uh, sure. Our music isn't the type of music that you can just, like, you write it, and then, okay, it's good to go, let's throw it on an album. I think our process is one of, okay, here's a first draft, and now let's tear this thing apart and see how we can rearrange it. Sometimes it feels right, and it's just, it's immediate. The Old Bridge was one of those songs on, off of this album, and that was a very last-minute thing that just came together towards the tail end of the process of recording. I think most of our songs are ones that we write, we rewrite, we play them live, see how they go over live, then we go back and we rewrite it based off of that. And uh, so a lot of songs go through two, three, sometimes four different versions of them. It takes a little bit longer when you do it that way. I guess to answer your question a little bit more directly, from a singer-songwriter point of view, the album's written, and we just uh, are trying to figure out logistics uh, in terms of like getting together and hashing it all out as a band, and waiting for the right time in terms of studio time, too, uh, with Gurr. Wanting to push forward with it and just uh, figure out the logistics of it and hopefully get something out soon. How does the public get a hold of your band? How do they find your music online or how do they purchase it right now? We have a website, photosidecafe.com, and our music can also be found on iTunes, Facebook, and Spotify. Any tour plans? What type of venues do you guys play at? When we first started out, we, we realized that our band was very much a visual band because a lot of people don't understand that there's a violin involved when they hear the recording, and then when they see it, it clicks. It's like, whoa, I get it now. Um, 
when we first started out, we, we realized that and realized that we really needed to get in front of people to, to make that click. Currently, uh, because we're just focusing primarily on, on just getting new material done, uh, we're playing here and there, but not, not any like solidified extensive tours. Um, and we'll just have to see how it all plays out. Uh, again, that brings me back to the whole uh, model of releasing music. And, and a lot of artists uh, have gotten to the point where they're realizing that it just costs so much to go out on the road. You can't do it. Venues can't afford to bring bands out unless you're just a huge name, you know? And with families, <laughs> it's even tougher, you know? So I think at this point, we're talking through all that as well. Um, like, what kind of approach are we going to take? Are we going to release music and just constantly focus on that and play a few shows here and there? Make them kind of like exclusive, like just go all out kind of shows? Or are we going to do the, the more traditional route of just tour, 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 tour? At this point, we're not sure. We want to continue playing. We love playing live. We absolutely love it. But um, it's not easy to, to put it all together either. So Sleeping at Last and Josh Garrels, I keep referencing him, are perfect examples of guys that have set up their music in a business sense to where they can release material all the time and tour on occasion, but not excessively, to where they're not burnt out. And I think that's the medium that we're trying to find as well. Which is a far cry from the harder rock bands. Yeah, you don't really produce nearly as much, and you tour constantly and tell your <laughs> tell, you tell your dad. Yeah, I wasn't going to use that word, but that is that is the word. We we toured for about four years straight, like just nonstop. Towards the end of that, we were just getting to the point where it was just like it's it's we're playing too many small venues, and it's not having as much impact as it should. So then we shifted to the mentality of like, okay, summer touring, because we can jump on festivals. And those work. We love doing that. Even that, you know, you've got to work around schedules and, and personal lives. And, and because the band doesn't make enough to support you, you've got to, you know, that's the reality of it these days. We played any and every show. And uh, as when you're younger and have girlfriends, it's, it's doable. But when you get married, it becomes a little bit more uh, difficult. When you start having kids, it's like, all right. <laughs> and that's where we are right now. Is it, We've grown. We have uh, now have families, and it's taking all that into consideration. Priorities are different. Maturity is setting in. Strings are becoming more prevalent in every genre of rock. Strings are coming more and more to the forefront. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? You're the violinist. How it contributes to the nature of the band itself. Yeah, strings definitely contribute to the emotion of any song. I try and take a slightly different approach than what you would normally maybe hear with putting strings arrangements along with a band. Um, I played classically throughout grade school and high school and started playing guitar in high school and messing with effects and stuff like that. And really the only time I broke outside of classical music with a violin was when I started jamming with these guys. And I started experimenting with different effects and amps and stuff like that and see what kind of sounds I could make. I guess I kind of try and take the approach of playing it like a lead guitarist would play, try and enhance the music that way. So maybe slightly different than what you might normally hear. Well, yeah, let me ask you. Uh, you, you heard our album before seeing us live. And I guess my question is, like, what was your reaction and what would you suggest for us as we approach recording again like should we approach it from the same point of view or should we be implementing more of what we do live just from a raw standpoint of view i don't know i mean what are your thoughts on that 
Well, okay, then I think most bands work better when it's a raw sound. More the live influence for most bands is an improvement. You guys have more of an edge live, you know, so add a bit of that. Not to take it to an extreme, but to add a little bit more of that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that Matt's approach to the violin has set us apart in some ways. Uh, well, in a lot of ways, honestly. I remember one of our first shows at Agapefest, um, a kid came up to us after we played the show, and he's like, I saw the violin and I was about to walk away. But then I saw the bass start it off, and then the violin came in. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the violin strings in general have come a long way in terms of perception. It's shifted into the mentality of like, it used to be just classical, straightforward, that's boring, to, well, this can be used in a very cool way. Um, accents and stuff. I get what you're saying about the raw. I, I think a lot of us would agree with that. I think we feel that our first album was a little bit too polished. What we're, we're hoping to do with the new album is record in studio, but live, just straight through. And then uh, keep it minimal, too, because we did a lot of, like, you get in the studio and, man, you just have so much fun, especially when you your time isn't a problem. So you bring in electric guitarists, you bring in guest artists and whatnot, and it just gets really fun, and you start getting lost in it, and it becomes experimental, and you're just like, this is awesome in the moment. And then, in hindsight, you start thinking about it like, well, that's not really photo side necessarily. That's that's photo side produced. <laughs> and uh, I think our job as we go into the new album is to do photo side as pure as we can. Doing it in the purity of the artistic sense, or how do you remain commercially viable, too? That's the other question. That's a question that we've all asked ourselves and honestly battled. You come to a point as a band, especially in the Christian market, if I'm going to make a go of this, I need to actually sell out a little bit, because there's no way I'm going to make it anywhere if I don't. I think that we've played around with that a little bit within our within our arrangements, specifically dealing with like time frame within songs. But when it's all said and done, honestly, I just don't see how we can commercialize our our sound. I think we've all gotten to the point where we're just saying, you know what, we're just going to do what Photoside is, and, and why even beat around the bush? Why try and mold this thing into something that it's not? Just let it live, let it be its thing, and, and let it let it just be. <laughs> so you're not going to sell your soul to the company store? <laughs> show, show me a company, and then and then let's talk. But uh, at this point, you know, I, it, it's a lot of uh, indie artists. Again, I reference the two that I, I look as as examples are uh, Sleeping Alas and Josh Yarrells. Um, it's all organic growth. It's all done by themselves. They put a lot of time, effort, sweat, and tears into their work. They love it. You can tell because when you hear it, that's what makes it so good. It's like these guys are doing what they love. And it's because of that that they're actually making a living off of this. They're making a go of this. I think that as a songwriter, that's been something that I've been thinking about a lot. Like, I just want to be honest. I want my honesty to come through my songs. Like, what am I dealing with in this stage of life? What am I dealing with in the next stage? You know, that stuff without sugarcoating it. And that's what I feel like CCM music does too much. That's aside from the actual musical side of things. I'm talking about lyrics and, and content. That's something that I don't want to conform to. I was going to be really mean and ask if there was lyrical content in CCM. <laughs> That's an excellent question. <laughs> I think it's few and far between. And I think that the artists that do have actual content are the ones that aren't acknowledged. And it's sad. And they're honestly the ones that don't care about being acknowledged either, you know? It's a vicious cycle and it's frustrating. Dave was being hurtful again, but reality has to shine through at some point. 
On the other side of that issue, even if music sucks, a lot of people can still get things out of that. And I think that's still valuable music if someone is getting something out of it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I stand corrected. Uh, what I want to add to that is, like, I completely agree. And art is art, therefore each person is entitled to their own opinion in terms of what's good and bad. And I honestly believe that, you know, when you break it down, that's why there are so many different styles of music. Sometimes you just need that generic, obvious, cookie-cutter song because of the mood that you're in or because of what you're going through. But sometimes you need something a little bit more honest, a little bit more straight to the point, and not so obvious. That's the beauty of art. I mean, we think that that's the nature of Photoside Cafe. This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, and we've been speaking both with Matt and Naf of Photoside Cafe. Guys, I want to thank you for spending some time and being insightful and also being frank. Thanks for having us. We uh, enjoyed it. We enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having us.